Hey everyone, and welcome to the first episode of the Healthy Perspectives Podcast, a podcast series brought to you by CDMI Connect that focuses on things like healthcare, innovation, and the ever-evolving digital landscape. I'm your host, Scott Wanderman, and with me as always is my co-host, Greg Wong. What's up, everyone? We're both creatives and part of the Emerging Digital Group here at the agency. So basically, we love creativity and geeking out over new technologies. And, you know, we want to share our insights and curiosity with all of you. In this episode, we're talking about South by Southwest, the annual industry-defining interactive conference in Austin, Texas. We always try to uncover the latest and greatest there. It just happened, and some of our friends from the agency went to check it out. So we're welcoming John Dealey and Jen Olberg. Some of the things we talked about uh, in our conversation were virtual reality, artificial intelligence, big data, and we finally settled the debate of is it a GIF or a GIF? So stay tuned and check that out. Enjoy. All right. So uh, thanks for joining us today, John and Jen. Um, Great to be here. Yeah. Happy to be here. Good. Uh, So you guys were just at South by Southwest. Uh, John, how was your experience down there? Uh, Yeah. Still still trying to process it. There was a a ton of information at once. Um, I guess for those that haven't been, there's... 25 sessions that happen at any given time from uh, beginning of the day to the evening um, and then beyond that it just takes over the whole city so there's experiences in parking lots uh, in buildings that they that brands rent out so it really takes over the whole city so it's just non-stop uh, learning and, and fun what this isn't this isn't your first time going now what, what your first time? rodeo not my first rodeo yeah uh, it's, it's been a, I've been down for the last few years it's big five-year anniversary uh, five-year South by anniversary, oh, yeah. Yeah. anniversary. And general, this, this is my before? second time so had a little bit more information of like the panels to go to the things that uh, would really apply for us health-wise and then non-health-wise I was going to say, how do you guys determine, there's so many booths going on, how do you guys determine which ones to go to, Jane, if you want to answer that? Yeah, so we basically look at the app against each other, and the big thing is is reading all the descriptions, because something could sound really good as a cool title, then you go, and has nothing to do with it. So read descriptions, see who's speaking, people you recognize, um, and then between the three of us, we kind of all texted each other, and we're like, I'm taking this one, yeah. so we made sure we were aligned on on which ones we saw and the, the key themes we were trying to pull through. Yeah, we also had some extended team members from the Omnicom health health group, and uh, what we did is for that is we used Slack, so we all set up different uh, sort of handles within Slack, and we had different rooms. So um, it was kind of making sure that we sort of rounded out, and we saw a nice mix of tech and UX and health and, and the whole, whole shebang. Nice. How would you feel that... It was what's characteristic of this year's South by maybe compared to previous ones. Yeah, I think just being there for the last few years, it seemed like up to now every year there was like a big app, a big platform. Last year was Meerkat, you know, mm-hmm. for, for live streaming, which quickly got eaten up by Periscope. Um, and years, years further back, like Foursquare, Twitter, you know, the whole nine. So I think everyone every year is like looking for like what's the next app. Um, and this year really wasn't about an app. Um, I think this year was really all around virtual reality. Everywhere you looked, um, you saw people with, with goggles and there was countless sessions on the topic. Yeah. So 
they're giving out a Google Cardboard on the streets uh, as giveaways. You couldn't walk anywhere. I mean, Nadia even ended up walking by John without him knowing it while he was at IBM <laughs> doing a virtual reality experience. So you couldn't even walk past John on the street without engaging with VR. Is that a sign of our future? Just we're plugged into our goggles? I was in another world. <laughs> Um, I think it's really interesting because what they were talking about with VR is that um, this guy showed a picture and he said, you know, here's me 20 years ago with VR and here's me now and it looks exactly the same except there hasn't been a lot of progress. But with the progression of cell phones and different parts of um, other technologies being much cheaper, it's allowing us to do virtual experiences in a cheaper way to bring it to a lot more people. So from what everyone was saying there is it's first really starting now and it's definitely not going away. It's only going to be more engaged in our everyday life, I think, as we go from here. So how do you see, how do you see virtual reality being engaged in our everyday life? Um, I, you know, I heard this expression like a few different times, but um, you know, a lot of people down there were saying that VR is the ultimate empathy machine. So it, it has the ability to transform you and really put you in someone else's shoes mm -hmm. um, literally and that was for me kind of when I felt the power of virtual reality that sounds so like <laughs> so epic but uh um, force is with you <laughs> but uh yeah you know I had seen some some VR experiences that were like oh this is cool and I'm like looking around and everything but uh, when I tried the New York Times app um, and it was about the Syrian refugee crisis and you know it's sort of documentary live action style and you can put the headset on and there's no sound, no voiceover. You're just there in the environments and you're looking around and it just, you have no, you absolutely kind of feel, you know, it just elicits a lot of right. emotion and feeling. Yeah. yeah, I heard that too about how, how amazing this is to be a channel for yeah. empathy and understanding in a very human way things that are very far and distant from you. Um, I also heard that maybe it doesn't provide context that you might have gotten other channels but so you have to work with other channels to your website or, or mm -hmm. kind of an article like on the New York Times to give a little more like backstory yeah and I mean just even bringing back to healthcare you know um, Jen and I both work on a, a cystic fibrosis you know CF brand and you know common thing we hear over and over is that the patients you know they can't be with each other in, in physical proximity mm -hmm. but yet they want to connect to each other because they both have this a disease that's very alienating and unique and they have a lot of things to share so you know we're constantly looking at ways within the digital space to connect them but um, I, I think there's it's not a coincidence that that Facebook has bought oculus you know mm -hmm. so I don't think it's just about engagement um, I think where VR is gonna go pretty soon maybe in the next few years even four or five years is it's gonna be more of a social experience so mm -hmm. I think we're just at the brink of the at-home VR stage so Oculus Rift is coming out to the general public. Samsung, when you buy an S7 phone, they're bundling it with their, their gear headset. Uh, PlayStation just announced their pricing. I wouldn't be surprised if Apple jumps in the game sometime soon. So I think it's becoming sort of more of a consumer at home product. Right, like um, entertainment. Yeah, for now. yeah, entertainment. I think sort of shortly after that, you could imagine sort of logging in and it not just being you and the world, but you right. connecting with other people. And that's what one of the guys was saying too. He said, soon we're going to go online and we're not going to be like searching for information or searching for other people. We're going to be searching for experiences and whether it's experiences with other people in that way that helps VR tie it all together. Right. Um, so I completely agree. Yeah. I would be, would be weary of uh, 
it is Wild Wild West. And <laughs> just like when the first websites came out, they were like, if you look back at a lot of them, they were just a lot of like wacky sort of throwaway out there. Um, and I think people are just, it's a very branding medium. People are still figuring it out. So um, I think there's going to be a lot of noise and sort of poor uses of VR too. Right. So, um, so how can virtual reality really help a patient then? I know we talked about communicating and understanding maybe their symptoms from the healthcare perspective, but how can a patient use virtual reality? I mean, I think it could also be used as an educational mm -hmm. tool too, um, just a way of, of, uh, of learning and um, experiencing things, whether it's what the disease is doing within your body and kind of you traveling throughout the body or uh, just understanding very complex concepts. Right. Um, so, it's, yeah. well, so virtual reality was a big theme. Uh, was there another big theme? I heard, uh, I didn't get to go and I, I haven't been yet, so maybe one day I'll get to go, but I was reading a lot about artificial intelligence and big data and stuff like that. Was there anything surrounding that? I'm scared I don't want the robots to take over, but hopefully that's not happening just yet. <laughs> I mean, I think the most interesting thing um, in part of that was in future, in past years, it was a lot about like data and security and privacy and how we should own our privacy and the right to all that information. And this year it kind of flipped on its head and was like, well, people are going to give up their privacy a little bit more because they want personalized content. They want personalized information. They want to connect and artificial intelligence learns from you and from all of that information. So it's right. almost like we're going to give up some more privacy because ultimately we want to grow and have things tailored to us. Um, and I think artificial intelligence um, is growing both in healthcare and outside of healthcare. Um, I think it's going to adjust how we even dissect diseases, information, and processes across the board. Are there any specific um, today examples of artificial intelligence that are kind of a little more breakthrough or frontier? Yeah, I, I mean, I think what's sort of unique about artificial intelligence too is it sort of happens in the background and it's tied into so many different things. Um, so it relates to wearables. Wearables are tracking so much data. Health, um, you know, if you have an Apple Watch or the Fitbit or anything, you're collecting all this data. And um, I think Jen, Nadi, and I were discussing this over a donut one morning. But uh, <laughs> you know, we're kind of talking about you're collecting all this data. Even if you look at your health app, it's like you're looking at these charts, and it's it's not very meaningful. You know, there's not nothing really actionable about it. Right. Um, but in terms of how, say, artificial artificial intelligence can can apply to that, um, the service Lark. So Lark is a, a weight loss management sort of fitness coach, mm. and the whole experience takes place via a text exchange using you know what's being called conversational UI. So instead of interacting with an app, a tracker app, it's just more of a literally like a text message. So you open up Lark. Um, last night I tested it out for myself. So it says, "Hey John, how's it going?" I'm like, "Good." Uh, they're like, can I look through your, your, your health and fitness data? So I said, sure, why not? So I opted in, you know, again, to Jen's point, sort of giving up your giving data. Up my data, but I'm like, all right, sure, well, why not? Um, and it started pulling these insights for me. I was like, hey, you, you've, uh, you know, you've only run a minute in the last uh, month. <laughs> they're like, they're like maybe, maybe you run, you know, without your iPhone. I'm like, no. <laughs> so I take it slow. But um, anyway, it starts dissecting all this data and turning it into something meaningful. You know? right. So then it's like, what did you have for breakfast this morning? And I'm like, oh, I had a bacon, egg, and cheese. Huh. You know, and then like, the idea behind it is once it starts learning you and looking at your data, it's like, well, well you you end up eating a bacon, egg, and cheese every other day. Right. I also see that you like oatmeal and cream of wheat. So maybe let's try that tomorrow. You know, so it feels, 
a little more organic and sort of natural and conversational. And it's taking all this sort of world of information and turning it into something meaningful. So I think that's sort of one of the practical applications. And I think um, a non-health related example, IBM has this green dinosaur doll out and essentially um, it, it learns the kids' habits and behaviors to kind of connect with them. So if you were to say to the dinosaur, hey dinosaur, can you tell me a story? Instead of the dinosaur telling this kid a story, well, what kind of stories do you like? Let's create it together. And really pulling from what that child wants to hear to create this kind of customized story that's really going to engage with them. Right. So I think if you even think that's for a child, but you know, from a health perspective, from a patient perspective, you could kind of get that type of information to help drive better health overall or even help them understand treatment. So I think it's I think it's gonna be really cool, but I also think it's gonna be really scary for Yeah, you know, watch, watch out babysitters. <laughs> it sounds like the, the convergence is really about to happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. like uh, the quantified self and kind of like, you know, a, a constant relationship with yeah. Do people, do people talk about, like, you know, we were talking about giving up data. Did, were there any conversations about, are people afraid to give up data? Is there anything in that room? One of the, the best quotes I heard was, believe it or not, vanity comes before privacy and data these days. And um, the other thing was that people said, if you're really upfront about we are collecting this data right from the get-go and you make it known this is the information you're giving up, mm -hmm. people are more comfortable with giving it up versus pretending you have all this privacy and then you find out later you don't. Right. So if you go into the realm of this is what we're collecting about you and this is why and this is how we're going to do it for you, mm -hmm. people are more likely to be okay giving it up where otherwise they think it's in secret, they don't know why you need all of it, and they're not telling you how they're going to apply it. Right. I also think you know, there's just the value exchange, right? So the idea of even just learning about Lark, I was excited about exploring the technology and what it's about, but even just as an actual tool, as a service, it seemed really intriguing to me. So mm -hmm. I didn't think twice about giving up my health information because I'm like, yeah, I'm going to give up this health information, but what I get in exchange for that is you know, this practical uh, advice and everything. And I, and I also think it's sort of a generational thing too. I think um, it's going to become second nature for, for, I think people are just more comfortable. Um, you know, I talked to my older brother, he's nine years older than me, and he's like, how do you do online banking? That's so crazy, you know? And I'm like, how do you not do online banking? That's crazy, you know? So I feel like anything we sign up for, we're giving our email address anyway, that it's just second nature, right? Like Apple says like, are you agree with these terms and conditions? And we don't even think twice. We're like, yeah, sure, take yeah, whatever you yeah. want. Yeah. But it's very generational because I also went to a few sessions of like millennials and all of us younger kids are designing things, but we all of these baby boomers, there's 10,000 people, this is my fun stat, 10,000 people turn 65 a day. That's a lot of people wow. that are turning 65 and we're building all these technologies and it makes sense for us, but it doesn't make sense for that generation and there's going to be a big generational gap where people across the world are going to be much older than they are younger. And as we build all these things, how do we get them comfortable with it also? Because the woman from IBM said, it's interesting, if you ask my father what his favorite piece of technology is, he says a TV. She said she doesn't even have internet. So there's a huge gap between what everything going on now and that whole generation and how it applies to them and they get on board with it. Yeah, there are the digital natives, the digital immigrants. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Huge shifts. Yeah. yeah, I think the, the I saw one presentation uh, not even at the session, I watched it afterwards um, on the South by Southwest YouTube channel. So that's actually a really good resource to check out. They have about like a dozen keynotes. Um, so we even got to catch a few things that we didn't see live. But 
who um, was the founder of Roomba there, and he was talking about the population, I think in, in China, I forget the exact stat, but like the, the amount of elderly is, is like sort of skyrocketing. Right. And I think the U.S., I think he said in the next 30 years, are, are we, we're going to hit this point where there's so many, so many elderly around. Um, and, and they saw that as an opportunity for actually how robots um, can be sort of permeate into yeah. society and what robots do. And, you know, even when you look at the driverless car, that's sort of like the ultimate scenario when you think of someone who's elderly and one of the first things that usually goes is their ability to drive and they lose their independence. Yeah. Uh, so you're saying how like driverless cars can be a way for, you know, an older person to kind of keep their independence a little longer. Well, speaking of keynotes, was there a reaction to Obama's um, you know, kickoff keynote and the federal position on data and privacy? You know, we, I, I did not, I, neither of us got the opportunity to, to see uh, Obama. We but, were on the plane, unfortunately, but... But his, his uh, keynote's available online. Yeah. I'm going to watch it this weekend. No, I think the thing is that um, technology is in all of our hands and there's just all of the stuff going on between like Apple and everything else. But um, one of the big points, and I think he was trying to make it too, is we have own technology, we have the right to technology, but there's also that barrier of like, what are the back ends that we really build? And like, if one person were to get that piece of technology, if we're using it for good, doesn't mean that everyone's going to use it for good. So, right. Yeah, there's a, on both sides of the coin, like a moral compass or a balance and tug of war, and even with healthcare and all the data that you're collecting. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it came from an odd place, but um, sort of the product lead from Airbnb was talking about human-centered design, which is another theme that we probably don't have time to get into. But, you know, he was saying how tech, it's not only technology, but our world is going so quickly that we don't really have the time to process what's going on and not what's right and what's wrong, but just like what everything means. So, um, you know, it was sort of like this sobering moment where he was kind of encouraging everyone in the crowd to like, you know, don't be afraid to take a step back and really think about like, right. why are we doing this or what's the meaning behind this and is it truly offering value? So. Yeah, it's like I leave my apartment and I forget my phone and I'm like, you know what, it's nice to disconnect every once in a while. And then I run back and I go grab <laughs> it like instantly because totally. I can't disconnect. Cool, so you guys uh, probably went to a lot of different talks, a lot of different segments. Uh, John, was there one that you went to that you really liked? What was your favorite out of all the other ones? Yeah, I mean, one that stands out wasn't actually a talk. Uh, it was something that I saw at the, the IBM experience, and it was, um, I forget what the vendor was, but it was it was a tech vendor that worked with uh, IBM creating this mind control experience. <laughs> and it was wild. So you put this headset on, and the first thing you do is you work with the IBM sort of engineer to, to train. So the first thing you... you he has you think about stop, you know, just thinking about stop, like what's stop, like just say stop over and over again, think stop. And then he has a few, there's three different commands, so push um, and turn left or something like that. So there was like three different commands that you learn. And once right. you learn it, what they did was they had a little BB-8 drone that was on the table. And by using this headset, you were actually in your mind, you were able to control this thing. Wow. So you just like look at this thing, exactly. and people are just like staring at this thing and they're like, you know they're like and then you see the thing move I mean it didn't work perfectly yeah. but it was it like worked and it literally just blew my mind it so crazy. it's yeah. the, the force in Star Wars brought to it life li literally the force yeah oh, that makes sense whether it's <laughs> I feel like that's <laughs> oh yeah there it is 
That's how most technology gets started anyway. It's like they watch Star Wars or Star yeah. Trek, and somebody's like, wow, that's really cool. I wish that existed. And then they go off and make it yeah, yeah. a thing. So, Jim, what about you? Was there any kind of... Uh... I think there was a lot, but I think the one thing that kind of sinks in with, with what we do here for me um, was Brene Brown talking about how um, you can't be innovative and creative without failure. And I think a lot of times, especially for our clients, we want to like nail it every time and, and kind of do things that are going to be exactly what they're looking for. But sometimes I think it's good to go bigger and fail at it because it's going to spark another idea that comes out probably even better. Um, and so I wish that we could do more things and fail at them here sometimes because I think it'll just make us better. Fail forward. Fail forward. Yeah, fail forward. There you go. Yeah. That's the secret to innovation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hope you guys don't fail at this podcast because it's a lot of fun. <laughs> I think it's going really well, so I don't. Uh, failure I, is, like, you know, I, like, I don't see it. <laughs> failure is not an option, <laughs> or it should be an option. It should be an option. Is there anything, uh, you know? There's a lot of technology happening in the long term. Like virtual reality isn't going to happen tomorrow. But is there anything exciting today? Is there anything? Is there anything? Yeah, that's right. Is there anything that you're excited about in the you know in the immediate future about things that came out of South by Southwest? Gifts. I'm just kidding. Yeah, a whole lot of animated gifts. Gifts are it's gifts or gifs. Oh, it's definitely gifts. Yes, Nadia, Nadia will tell you. Yeah, Nadia went to. Um, she saw people from Giphy speak, and they they they, they claimed it. It's, it's GIF. And they're actually rolling out a bunch of other things and and really going to be i think more than just their little gif app and website so stay tuned for that they're just down the block uh, cool. yeah um how do you know that no, I, went to the, I went to their office <laughs> yeah i mean i think what's really exciting to me is, is kind of what, what you were alluding to greg just the convergence of, of all this technology mm-hmm. and um you know kind of instead of thinking of these things as a silo thinking of how how it all comes together into like an ecosystem yeah, it's interesting like there's so many different ways to communicate and channels to reach people how how do brands choose one over the other and whatnot and I think that's going to be very interesting to see especially from our industry on the advertising side of like we'd, lo- we'd love to you know do everything but yeah. we have to find the right ones to kind of use yeah I mean I think it comes down to sort of being smart and, and sort of going with the tried and true things but also leaving room for experimentation so mm-hmm. it's similar to you know like a financial portfolio you know where you want to have things that are a little more conservative, but you know are, are going to work for you. Mm-hmm. But you know, in order to really kind of move it forward, you do need to experiment and try these things. So, um, and I think we're even noticing that now with, with a lot of our clients, the, the willingness to because they're expected to innovate and, and do bigger things. So, um, just excited to, to kind of see where that goes. Yes, yeah, so I'm really excited to see what the the short term future holds for us to develop communications around healthy living. Um, um, pushing the, that frontier and embracing these technologies. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, so we're just about out of time, but I want to thank our guest, John Dealey and uh, Jen Holberg, for coming down and hanging out with us. Thanks, uh, guys. I'm yeah. sure we'll have you back soon. Yeah. So Happy little, to be here. A little uh, shameless plug. Uh, we were tweeting and Instagramming uh, while we were out there. If you want to check out some of the stuff that we were, um, we captured, just go to cdmyconnect.com slash SXSW, and uh, we're going to be out and about with a little road show and a fun presentation. Uh, in in virtual reality or in the real world? No, both. Oh, oh. Uh-oh. so stay tuned uh, for that. And uh, you may not need a virtual reality set. No, <laughs> see it. We'd like to see you in reality. Yeah. Right. Awesome. Thank you guys. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thanks. thanks. 
So there you go. That was our conversation with John Dealey and Jane Olberg. Uh, we want to thank them for joining us on today's episode. Uh, and thank you all for listening and joining us as well. So be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. We'd love to hear your comments and questions about today's episode or if there's any topics you'd love to hear us discuss. And with that, Greg and I will see you next time. See you guys.